Hi guys, TJ here. So as you know, this is a very special time of year and a very important time of year for me and Anna. But I feel like I, if it if I did not dedicate this particular episode to a very very wonderful actor, um, and that actor was River Phoenix, who unfortunately died on Halloween, the thirty first of October, nineteen ninety three of a drug overdose. Uh, River Phoenix was, for me, an incredibly wonderful actor and some of his films are my absolute favorites. I grew up watching Stand By Me and it has affected me so much. River Phoenix was such a fantastic actor and such a beautiful soul who was unfortunately taken from us much too early. And as it's Halloween and the anniversary of his death, I just feel like if I did not mention it, I would be an asshole and a shit fan. But guys, seriously, if you or anyone you know is suffering from any kind of drug abuse, please, please, please try to get help because, and this is going to sound really, really corny and shit, but you know, guys, it'll get better. Hello guys and welcome back to Obsessed or Possessed, an accountability writing project for two writers with big projects and even bigger procrastination issues. I am your host TJ and of course I am always with the ever wonderful Anna. Say hello Anna. Hi. Now today is a very, 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 very special episode for us and we are it's actually going it's the most wonderful time of the year. We'll probably cut that singing out because my voice is not good. I'll do it anyway because I completely agree with the sentiment. It is the best. <laughs> this is possibly going to be my favorite episode. And as you are listening to this, it should be or will be Halloween. Uh, now, Halloween is, of course, a very special time in both me and Anna's life. We both love Halloween. We both love spooky shit. And so today we're going to break format a little bit. And we're probably not going to be talking as much about our writing. Uh, but we're actually going to be talking about all things motherfucking spooky. Yay! And so not just uh, in literature, but pop culture in general. Because let's be honest... We're kind of pop culture fiends, so it kind of made sense for us to eventually do this. And I, mm -hmm. I expect we might do it more often. I suppose seasonal mm -hmm. episodes can be more pop culture relevant or whatever relevant. It's our podcast. We can talk about whatever the fuck we want. Yeah, basically. Literally, you are literally at our mercy, guys. Um, but we are going to start with what we always start with. So, Anna, tell me, this week, if you remember our goals from last week. I do. Have you been obsessed? Have you been possessed? Um, I, okay, so I think you know by now that I have a very competitive nature. Mm -hmm. So since we set that challenge of trying to do 7,000 words this week, I knew that I wasn't going to hit 7,000, but I knew that I couldn't let you do more than me. So I've been <laughs> possessed. <laughs> Oh, fair enough. Out of spite. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes that's the best way to be. So you've been obsessed. I uh, possessed. No, possessed. Sorry, that was my fault. I used the wrong 
opening syllable. You've been possessed. Well, well, I suppose I have been obsessed with the idea of beating you, but mostly I've been possessed because of this obsession. I mean, I'll take it. That's pretty good. So, How much so we might have to do more of these challenges because it was productive. Not as productive as I may have liked, but it definitely worked. I mean, that's absolutely great. You've probably done a lot better than me because I, I've been a bit weird this week. I'm not necessarily sure if I've been obsessed or... Well, I definitely haven't been obsessed because whereas, you know, whenever you get something written, um, I don't. And pretty much I've written nothing. We go um, I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah, like I have written nothing, like maybe a sentence. Um, not Maybe not even that, unfortunately. Yeah, I have been, I'm not sure how to describe what I've been this week. I have been, to be honest, I've been incredibly busy with work. I would like to say I've been obsessed, but really, no. I have been, I watched, I've been watching some anime. I've been watching this anime called Shaman King. Um, it's on Netflix um, with my partner. And I've been really enjoying that, but I'm almost at the end of the first season now. And that means there's probably not going to be any more until next week, so next year. So I'm not uber happy about that. Um, other than that, what else have I did? I watched the game, David Finch's film, because it was my friend's birthday and we did like a film club. Um, I watched that. And other than that, like all I've done all week is like go to the gym and work. So I guess you could say I've been like obsessed with the gym. But that's depressing. So fuck okay, that. So basically, you've been an actual functional human being. I have been completely motivated by spite. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I just I don't like being a particularly functional human being because it means that I'm not getting like actual shit that I want to get done done. I'm just doing shit that I've kind of got to get done. Um, I want to be a functional human being. I'm oh. I've stri I'm striving for it. I just it's not working. <laughs> It's fucking overrated, believe me. Like, ugh. I, I like I went to the gym, so fucking what? Um, yeah. I did some work. Well actually no, I, I have to do work, so it's good that I I get that stuff done. But no, yeah. I want some motherfucking rights. I did get quite drunk this weekend though, and like tell everyone that would listen about my novel. So I suppose that kind of like functions. That works in the accountability aspect because now there's more people counting on it. Other than mm. just me. <laughs> I know I keep being like I'll send you it and then I'm like I don't want to send you it I'm like, oh, yeah basically since we started this and we're talking about this more often I've been reminding you that I would like to see what's happening and you're like yeah 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 no I have more I can send you more and then you never do I keep forgetting to be honest if you've still got the same link it's still in the same link I've just like I think it's still shared with you I'll share it with you again okay. I promise but yeah, because I just generally tend to use a Word document online, like a Google Docs, and I just write in that because I don't think I have Word on this computer. And I'm not fucking paying for Word. I'm not going to lie. Like that Microsoft shit is so fucking expensive. And I'm not paying for it. It's 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 just not happening. Google Docs, that's fine. <laughs> like I ain't paying for it. Like, I'm sorry, no. Whatever happened to... And now, like, if it was just, like, a one-time purchase, like, I'd buy it. But, like, nowadays, it's like, yeah, you don't have to buy it. Have a monthly subscription. And no! No. I'm not going to do that. No, fuck off. I ain't paid a monthly subscription. Not for fucking mm -hmm. word. Mm -hmm. Oi. Ugh. Oh, wow. I know it's when I got this computer, it came with pages for free and with pages you can export to Word. So people who have Word can open it as a Word document and I'll just do that. 
No, exactly. Yeah, I ain't paying for extra shit. God, Bill Gates is fucking rich enough already. Fuck you, Microsoft. It's the same reason I'm not paying for Amazon Prime. Oh, I do pay for Amazon Prime, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I pay for Amazon Prime, though, just because it comes with, like, Prime Video. You see, I did for a while, but now I live in an area that doesn't have access to many of the videos. It's very limited based off of then, yeah, I'm, like, I'm not paying for you to just give me an option of five movies. No, thank you. Oh, no, exactly. It is useful for the one day delivery because my mom orders quite a lot of my Amazon account. But Yeah, again, they don't. Okay, they do deliver down here, but it's never going to be in one day. So, nope. Either way, just it, it's not worth it for me. No, fuck that. Yeah, no, I totally get it. Yeah, I totally get it. Well, well, this was our opening rants against Microsoft and Amazon. Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, sort your fucking shit out. You're literally both richer than anyone can ever fathom. Sort your shit out. Yeah, I'm not going to address you because, um, you know, sometimes the whole, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. We haven't really stuck to it on this podcast Mm -hmm. because we've talked a lot of shit. Possibly a lot of it has been cut out by this point. Possibly. We have talked a lot of shit, so I'm just not going to do it right now because, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. I still need some of these services. I don't want them to accidentally block me. Oh, yeah, that's very true. (laughs) I didn't even think of that. Jeff Bezos, I like the service you provide. I just don't like you. Um, Yeah, that's a fair assumption. Yeah, Yeah, I feel like that's a fair assumption. Or your penis rocket. That was pointless. Yes. Yes. Everything. Oh, God. Anyway. Don't get me started on Elon Musk. Oh, no, no, let's not get into it. But we could do something equally spooky. So let's lead into our format of today. So instead of asking sort of literary questions, we're going to ask all Halloween-themed ones, starting with Top 5 Monsters in just a sec. So, TJ, with this glorious Halloween season upon us, tell me, what are your top five monsters of all time? I like this because this is like beatdown. Have you ever seen the beatdown podcast where they like talk about their top five of lists? I'm I'm generally a big fan of lists. Um, well, I have a list of five. Um, are we going from bottom to top? Like, let's start five leading to one, or should we alternate? So you do your five, I do mine, instead of you know both of us just reading out lists, which isn't you know all that yeah. interactive. So yeah, I'll say my fifth. You'll say your fifth. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, guys. That was a bit of. Uh, admin you know it's gonna happen yeah always it'll probably be cut out you might hear it you might not um okay i'm gonna start with my number five now mine in general because i struggle to put things in orders like my number one is pretty much number one that's the only one that's like 100 percent higher than the others like the rest of them i generally find i can kind of give or take so as in, not i can give or take but like i can't put them in a specific order except for number one number one is unquestionably yeah. my number one i also feel like we have the same number one <laughs> i feel like we definitely have the same number one these episodes you can probably guess oh, yeah, number you can one. definitely get anybody who knows us knows what the number one is going to be but let's start number five okay my number five i went with um changelings Ooh. Uh, yeah like to be honest this took me a couple of tries because i've actually written this list out several times and it's definitely not the same as the first list that i wrote when we planned this last week um i chose changelings just because as a concept i think it's very 
interesting. Like the idea of like children being stolen and then being replaced by like the fey folk or like demons and things. And obviously them growing up and being nurtured by these parents. But then if they're not actually the kind of child that you thought they were, it's very, it's very, very interesting. It reminds me a lot of, um, what are those birds that kill, they go into nests and then they replace the actual birds' eggs with their own eggs and then the um, birds hatch and like kill all the other children of the things. Have I created this? Um, no, I, it sounds familiar, but to be honest, my knowledge of birds is severely limited, so I can't help you there. Birds actually really, really, really scare me. Yeah, um, mini like, dinosaurs. It makes sense. No, yeah, like literally, I try to explain this to people quite a lot because birds are the closest living relative to dinosaurs, and dinosaurs are fucking awful. And I am literally petrified of birds. I do not like them. I think they are really, really fucking weird, especially fucking pigeons. Like I am terrified of pigeons. Okay, it's I don't respect pigeons. The one mm -hmm. that truly terrifies me are geese. Mm -hmm. Have you seen a geese, a, a goose, sorry, up close? Um, I don't think I have. Don't, don't. It's not worth it. It'll give you nightmares. And here's how I know this. My mother... Uh, sorry, I just Googled it. I, I damn told you, don't do it. <laughs> Fucking sorry. I don't like it, yeah. No, they're awful. And here's how I know this. My mom... Like she, oh God, I'm forgetting the English word for this, but she like uh, raised a bunch of them. So she has chickens. She had turkeys for a bit. She has ducks. I think she's good. Yeah, yeah, she had geese. And unfortunately she had the geese at her fucking house. Now the great thing is they're great guards. Um, I, 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 not worth it. Oh, fair enough. I actually looked it up. The birds that I was looking up, that I was talking about, I think they're called like cowbirds or co-birds, uh -huh. I'm not sure how they're pronounced. And it's like parasitism where they like laid their eggs and they've actually caused the several different types of birds to become either extinct or endangered, which is actually fuck quite them. interesting. Yeah, literally fuck them. Yeah. But some bird species evolved to detect such parasitic eggs. But yeah, no, basically the entire idea of the changeling, I think, is fascinating. And I'm actually really, really, I'm really, really into it. It's so fascinating. I'm really into it from like a literature point of view. Um, like there's just so many kind of ideas that you can take from it. Like you can, like you can put it in pretty much any kind of context, like aliens or even something closer to home. Like the film with, um, I think it was Angelina Jolie also oh, called yeah. the changeling it's just such like an adult fear as well it's such like a weird fear that like i think changelings are fucking terrifying and there's so many it's ways you can take that story huh yeah it kind of works on in, in terms of fear on like such a psychological level because mm. it's the how do you justify somebody being so wrong like yes, physically they're everything is fine, but something in them is so wrong. And before people understood that, oh well, you know, maybe they they oh what's the word for it? Uh, well, there's a specific word when somebody is um, a psychopath, like mm -hmm. the, the disorder, or whatever that, that is. Like before mm -hmm. they could be diagnosed with this, it's like oh yeah, they must have been taken by the like they must have been replaced. They must yes. have been taken by the faith. That's why they're wrong. Mm -hmm. 
Well, speaking of actually, this also ties in. I was reading yesterday. It might have been yesterday. It might have been on Saturday. I can't remember. There's this psychiatric disorder called the Capgrass delusion mm. or like imposter syndrome. That's and terrifying. I know, literally. And for those of you who perhaps don't know what it is, it's this psychiatric delusion um, where you believe that someone like a friend or a family has been replaced by like an actor or someone else but obviously it's a delusion but it's I'm i think glad, it's like linked yeah. to schizophrenia schizophrenia yeah it's so sad that nothing can convince them that that is mm -hmm. actually their person mm -hmm. oh it's okay that, that's gonna lead into a whole like different side but, but i'll give you my number five which are um a combination of banshee slash la llorona mm -hmm. basically like female omens are terrifying, but at the same time, so fucking cool. I'm with you on that. Yeah, like, yeah, girl, you know, go off. Don't, don't do your makeup. Keep your hair all righty. Scream if you have to. Scare the shit out of everybody nearby. Live your best life. I love it. I do like Banshees and Concepts, actually. They're not in my top five, but I do enjoy them. I think... I don't, there's, there's, there's a very certain specific aspect of Supernatural that I generally tend to veer away from. And while I find Banshees interesting, they're usually part of that kind of subgroup of Supernatural that doesn't usually hold my attention. Like, I've not really read or consumed much um, literature concerning Banshees or even watched too many films or TV shows. They're that kind of, like area of the supernatural that generally tends to not interest me generally i think mainly because usually that kind of is that kind of stuff is set in the uk i feel and i do generally tend to veer away from not like your honor obviously but like banshees they're irish right are they irish, yeah, they're irish yes. and it's just that i it's i'm not hugely into um british britishisms i'm not hugely into british literature often i know um, weird coming from a brit but yeah no generally i'm not hugely into like british supernatural i don't hugely know why see i um, quite like the the sort of not as, it's not, i know the example i'm about to give is not mm. specifically a banshee but it's that same sort of female mm. omen mm. um but the woman in black by susan hill is such a great example of that because th the reason it's so scary is Literally, there's nothing you can do to avoid it. Once they appear, once you hear that banshee scream, you know death is coming, and there's nothing you can do to fight it. They're like, unlike with some other monsters, there's always mm. like, a, oh yeah, you could use this kind of weapon. Oh, you could do mm. this. You can protect yourself with salt. In this case, nothing. It's happening. Yeah, there's that kind of finality to it that it's like, yeah, no, sorry, fuck, you're doomed. Yeah, it's just a matter of time. Like, um, I remember the first time I read. The Woman in Black. Uh, did they make was, a film of that with Daniel Radcliffe? They did, but it's... I, I didn't watch the film, so I can't comment on it. I've I seen the film, also, I've seen it. I know they also it. had it uh, in theaters, which was apparently a very scary experience because they have actors, plural, dressed as the Woman in Black go through the audience, and like sometimes she'll just sit next to you. I I, I would be a horrible, horrible person in the audience. I'd be such a that horrible audience member mm -hmm. because i would full-on scream if i turn and saw this fucking woman dressed in black next to me i'd scream and the reason i know i'd scream is because i have done that 
when I was reading the book. It was a bright, sunny June afternoon in London. I was sitting at a cafe, enjoying a very fruity drink, <laughs> not paying attention to the world. I look up and there is this woman with long black hair dressed in all black. And I know it's ironic coming for me because I'm always in black. And like everything about her, just all the dark features, I, I screamed. Oh my gosh. How did she react? Well, how would anybody react? Like, are you fucking, are you okay? Then it's the, are you crazy? I'm like, I'm, it's the book. It's just, the, the woman was, you know, she's, she's supposed to appear. And when she appears, it's bad. And you look like her. And, oh, I didn't mean to offend you to say that you look like this dead woman. It just, uh, there's no, no, there's no explaining that. You just sort of have to sit there embarrassed and then grab your shit and leave. Yeah, I mean that, that that's quite shit, quite funny. I'm kind of glad that happened. Not uh, the first time I screamed out in public. Another time is actually had a baby. I need context. <laughs> so I was on a train, as I usually was, from where we used to live down to London. Oh yeah. And uh, one of these afternoons, I was particularly tired, so I pulled up my hoodie over my face so that I could take a nap. So I didn't notice that a family sat next to me. Oh no. So, Mom and dad took their seats and they had a little un with them. Little un was um, confused and intrigued by this person that had a hoodie. So imagine I'm sitting there asleep, mostly asleep. And I feel like somebody's watching me. You know, that feeling, yeah. there's definitely somebody watching me. Now mm -hmm. I have the hood over my eyes, so I can't look up and see anything. I have to look down into my lap mm -hmm. where I'd expect there to be nothing. Except this time there wasn't nothing. There was <laughs> like a toddler staring up at me under my hood. Oh my God. Why did they let that toddler do that? I don't know. But I screamed and they snatched this baby so fucking fast. Now, of course, I look like the bad guy because, like, who screams at a child? But at the same time, why didn't you let your child climb on me? No, I know. That's so rude. Oh, my God. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> that's beside the point. Moving down. Number four. <laughs> Oh, yes, my number four. Uh, my number four, um, I went a bit um, to Central America for this. I chose, Ch and I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation, and I apologize sincerely to any Spanish speakers if any Spanish speakers are listening to us. Um, I think it's Chaneque. Chaneque. I like them in theory. Um, I think they're quite interesting. What they are, are they? So they are essentially these kind of now, depending, because I've read a, diff a couple of different sources based on them, but they seem to be like these little kind of spirits. And I think they're from like the Aztec Mexicans um, from that that kind of area of folklore. And they are like these kind of sprites that will often kind of steal someone's or take someone's soul. So I think they're meant to scare someone so much that their soul leaves their body. And oh. then you're supposed to kind of do some kind of ritual or some kind of action in order to regain your soul if you don't regain your soul you're likely to die um not long after um and a couple of places have said that they generally appear to be quite mischievous as well and they generally tend to like resemble so they seem a bit like kind of elf like or pixie like from what i've 
kind of read about in that they they tend to be very small and they're usually kind of like shriveled little small things but with like the face now either like the faces of children or the faces of like really old people i guess i'm not really quite sure but i came across them not too well a couple of years ago when i was doing research for the novel that i'm writing at the moment and um they just seem really really interesting and i was just kind of like oh okay and usually I tend to err away from, because they seem like very Fae-like. We were having this conversation earlier, kind of like Fae-like, very kind of mischievous, pixie-like. Um, and usually I kind of avoid those kind of stories, but these just seem quite interesting. So I was like, yeah, they're, they're, they're my number four. Um, yeah, I, I find them quite so far we're all, We've all picked just sort of Fae-type creatures, like banshees, changelings, sprites. Yeah. So but I'm going to mix it up here and go okay. into uh, Greek mythology, uh, Sirens. Oh, so, you know, I didn't even think of going into Greek mythology, and I feel like that was a bit of a missed opportunity on my part, but Sirens, love it. Explain why. Well, I know that a lot of modern media loves to show them as, like, mm. beautiful women sitting on rocks, which is not mm. what they were. They kind of describe as a little bit horrifying. But I love the idea of a voice being so beautiful that people will just willingly throw themselves on the rocks or starve to death just to listen to that. I like that. There's actually a very, very beautiful painting in the city that I live in, in one of the art galleries that is um, an image, um, uh, what's the word? A painting of the story, is it, Od is it Odysseus? Yes word of them tied himself traveling. to the mast uh, so he could listen to the sirens while everybody else yeah ears. Yeah. yeah it's that that and it, there's a very beautiful image of that and i really like that and actually come to think of it with a feeler from harry potter based upon the idea of sirens they're kind of a bastardization of them i think so it's because the feeler are meant and they turn quite bird-like when they get angry and things so they're beautiful and then if you piss them off they turn very bird-like yeah which is quite interesting. And they're all female as well, right? There's never any male Vila. But I think so, because I, I only remember any from Bubatons, wasn't it? Yeah, Bubatons, there's Fleur Delacour. Yeah, I only remember female characters from that, that school. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's like canon, but I feel like maybe they're only female. But no, I like Sirens as well. I think they are, it's it's such an interesting concept. I I. A weird part of me relates, I suppose, you know, as a teenager, you always mm. kind of relate to some sort of monster. Mm. Since one of the aspects of myself that I like the most is the sound of my voice, which most people absolutely hate. I've never been one of those. I, I kind of feel like if I had to be a monster, that would probably be me. Like, I think they're quite... <laughs> kind of related, but not really. Because um, this isn't one of my lists, but I probably should put them. I like the um, water nymphs you know, from that kind of general mythology as well, you yeah. know, where they like, there's another painting actually, I'm probably just outing the city I live in at the moment, um, but there's another painting in that same art gallery because they seem to have a lot of Greek inspired paintings in there, which is, I can't remember the story now, um, but it's, just, I think it's um, part of Jason and the Argonauts where one of the guys goes off to get water, but then he sees a bunch of nymphs, um, um bathing in the water and he gets like dragged under the water by the nymphs it's just generally fucking evil women i'm kind of here for it <laughs> it's, evil. 
Well, in some cases, it's not even necessarily evil women. Just, you know, I suppose in a Hylus. way. It's Hylus and the Nymphs. It's actually a beautiful print uh, by J John William Waterhouse. Gotcha. Oh, but yeah, I was basically saying that it's, I, I, one of the great things about mythology is kind of women getting their own. Mm -hmm. So any sort of vicious woman, women in stories, you kind of like, yeah, I'll get them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, think, I think vicious women are far more terrifying than vicious men. Well, all of history is dictated by vicious men. I think we're kind of sick of them. Mm. Yeah, we, we, we stand an email killer. Well, not yeah, quite. She's not on my list, but um, I, I don't even want to classify her as a monster because it wasn't her fault. But Medusa is, like, ranked very high for me. Medusa is great, actually. No, Medusa's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, also, also poor thing. <laughs> no, exactly. Also, not on my list, but um, the Minotaur. Minotaur? Minotaur? Yeah. I say Minotaur. I always said Minotaur, but I think that's just because when I was a kid, we had a tape of Greek myths that we used to listen to, and they always called it a Minotaur on that. But in every other kind of, no, but in every other media that I've consumed since, everyone calls it a Minotaur. So I think the guy that was reading the Greek myths just did not know what the fuck he was on about. Um, but yeah, no, in general, actually, hugely here for it. I mean, to be honest, just again, not on my list, but if we go just on the topic of Greek myths. Fucking Zeus was a fucking monster. Yes. The like, biggest dickhead in all of Greek, ancient Greek uh, stories, Zeus. Even was Cronus Greek as well? Was Cronus was with, yeah, the apple did not fall far from the tree. Nope. He probably should have eaten Zeus. Well, he did, but then he spat him back up. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, because speaking Zeus of apple, I mean... Had Zeus just been, you know, had he had the balls to answer the question of which one of the, the three goddesses deserved the Greek apple, you wouldn't have even had the Trojan War. So again, blame Zeus. It's all Zeus's fault. Fuck Zeus. Yeah. Literally fuck Zeus, actually. And he was just like a low, no, not even a Loki rapist. He actually just was a yeah, rapist. Yeah, full on right? rapist. Yeah, completely. Oh, God, Zeus. Now, number three, um, I've put in. Now, I'm kind of second-guessing myself, and I kind of wish I'd maybe put something else now. Um, but because I feel like I like them, again, a lot of these monsters, the kind of things that I like as a concept but can't actually always think of a lot of media that have done them. Not necessarily right, because I feel like in terms of these kind of things, like what is right is subjective a lot but there's i've not come across a lot of compelling media at least in my own opinion related to these but werewolves oh that's actually my number uh two so i'll just remove that from my list well i guess actually i suppose we can we can double it up werewolves to me i like again as very much a concept but i feel they've been utilized bit too much so whereas like i enjoy werewolf stories that are more like human like like body horror like i enjoy that kind of crap yeah that kind of crap. you know where it's like focusing on the actual 
awful situation that obviously being a werewolf might be like losing control of yourself what two or three times a month like that i really really like and obviously with it being like such a metaphor for like other aspects of life like imagine just how awful it would be um that said a lot of like even completely disregarding twilight um there is such a kind of they've become much more like action hero kind of films you know like if you think I about feel like, like they've just been overly stuff. sexualized that's my problem with a lot of werewolves in modern media they're always like a sort of hunky character that you're supposed to lust over instead mm. of focusing on the horror aspect i i i i get where you're going with the whole like the 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 the, the terror of what's happening mm. to a person's body. But I kind of like those sort of, oh, locked in a village, there's somebody mm. among us that's going to kill us, but we need to figure out which one of us mm -hmm. it is. And like those sorts of werewolf stories. That's kind of like tradition, that's more traditional. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I like I, I think those stories are much more compelling rather than, oh, there's this guy who can turn into a wolf. Watch him like go fight evil. Yeah, then it's always the like such an emphasis on you know, after they, they, they've transformed, they come back kind of naked and they're all sweaty. Yeah. And it's all like, dude, they, they kind of went through like an ordeal. Could we mm. keep it in our pants for a second? <laughs> we don't have to be horny all the time. No, exactly. I did enjoy Oz from Buffy as a werewolf. And I'm always so sad that like Oz didn't kind of stick around in Buffy. Because I think he was meant to stick around. But Seth Green obviously became big, famous Austin Powers kind of superstar and yeah. left Buffy but Oz I really really enjoyed as a compelling character now I am completely contradicting myself um with regards because Oz was sexy and very cute and Seth Green is just bae um but I did enjoy that kind of incarnation of werewolves um again it's not very traditional but I, I, I enjoyed that but generally like young adult werewolves I generally tend to are uh, away from like it's the same with vampires as well like young adult vampires and werewolves generally most young adult supernatural unless it's like explicitly like horror yeah because that's the thing is a lot of at least in my experience a lot of young adult fiction has done away with the horror aspect in these these monsters where mm. they're just something you know it's a like an extra oh it's kind of dangerous that makes it sexier mm. sort of trope instead of you know, focusing on the actual thing of this is this is a terror. Like, if you met a werewolf in real life, you're not going to stick around and try to fuck them. No, run. Wow. Is it Seth Green? Well, it, it, the, it's <laughs> the whole kidding. thing of you know, you meet them in human form and you're taken in. Then all of a sudden, you know, you He's guys think your fucking brains out. Exactly. In that sort of scenario, it's fucking I, Teen Wolf was awful for that. Actually, it was just like. Why are the only people getting turned into werewolves sexy models? Like Because it's a CW show. <laughs> yeah. A little bit outside the box, but this is... You mentioned that a lot of these monsters are not really things that you hate. Meanwhile, mm. mind mystery is something that I genuinely do, which is um, people who hunt for fun. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There, I don't think that this needs much explanation, but if you, it's one thing for population control. It's another thing if you genuinely, you know, it, you you hunt for, like, to eat, to to produce, to mm. sustain a family. But if you're just 
killing an animal for fun. Like your idea of fun is waking up early, arming yourself and going after defenseless creatures, shooting them and then just doing nothing. No, what a fucking waste. And honestly, get yourself checked. That's, you need a new definition of fun because you're like, you're one step away from being a serial killer. Uh, like the well, only reason I'm gonna guess the only reason you don't kill people is because you know they could actually fight back and take you to court. Meanwhile, a poor deer or antelope in the forest can't. Fuck well, you. well, a huge one in my country in the UK is fox hunting, which is sickening. Yeah. Like it, it, yeah, people who hunt for fun. Ugh. Like I just can't appreciate that. The, like there are people that really do enjoy that, aren't there? Like yeah, that's the thing. It's. It's one thing, again, like I said, if it's population control, like your, your area is overrun by these, surely there's a humane way to deal with it. But if your idea of fun is getting together in groups like, or even on your own and then stalking a poor defenseless creature that is doing nothing but mm. living, fuck you. No, exactly. Yeah, fuck you, actually. I completely agree. Especially like people that hunt like endangered animals. Oh, God. Anyway, yeah, completely agree fucking dicks yeah i mean poachers is a, a big thing down here i i don't know if i've mentioned by now but clearly i am in africa um but also people who do a specific form of tourism where they come from abroad come down here yeah. and shoot our animals what the fuck is wrong with you honestly we've kind of left uh most colonial well okay in theory we've left colonization mm. in like the 1960s, 1970s, right? Why the fuck are you still coming down here with this sort of behavior? Stay home. <laughs> like, no, for fuck's sake, leave our lions alone. Leave our giraffes alone. Get your fucking hands off the rhinos. I don't care. Oh don't my care God. An erection. If you think you need a rhino horn to have an erection, that is God telling you, you're not meant to get laid. Seriously. I like it. Amen. That is, yeah, no, actually, yeah, no, that I've, I've yeah, that, that is just a fucking thing. <laughs> so yeah, this is like the monster that I genuinely hate. There's, I don't think that there's any excuse for it. Fuck you. It's quite interesting actually that you've said that because my actual number two leading into that is um, serial killers, specifically <laughs> like human serial killers. Um, and it's quite interesting that we both have got one that's non-supernatural. Um, serial killers... Again, I don't like them personally, but I like them thematically, and I like stories about them, and I like watching true crime documentaries. Um, it's kind of like a morbid curiosity. Um, human serial killers are an incredibly good fictional device if they are written well. There are some where they're not written very well, and it's a bit, or acted very well, actually, either. But um, the human serial killer, like, I'm going to talk about, like, Patrick Bateman, for example, mm -hmm. from American Psycho, who the film of that, uh, well, it's Brett Easton Ellis, so of course I love everything written by Brett Easton Ellis. Um, the book is actually, the film is very good. Um, Christian Bale, um, I just can never see him as anything other than Patrick Bateman now. Um, and he will always be, he played that very kind of cold, dark, calculating, yuppie, kind he of like serial killer so very well. Um, now, the film is kind of gruesome and kind of squeamish enough. Now, the book, I'm not sure if you read it. Um, the book is worse than the film. Like, Ooh. I found the film, like, quite disturbing. But the book is, well, Brett Easton Ellis is very kind of visceral anyway. Um, but there is a few scenes of, Brett, of 
American Psycho, where literally after I finished reading them, I had to go outside and just be around people. Like, his writing is very... Like, I like Brett Easton Ellis' writing in general, but specifically American Psycho is one of those books, and it's the only book... Like, some of his books are really fucked up. Like, Less Than Zero has some very fucked up parts of it, but I can reread Less Than Zero, and I do enjoy it. It's one of my favorite books. American Psycho, I think I've read it once, and I do not think I will ever read it again. Um, very good. Like, I can take my hands off to it, but it was very disturbing. And serial killers in general, I find, are really, really compelling if they are written quite well um now patrick bateman's perfect example of a terrifying serial killer but then there was also the guy in um i'm not sure if you've seen it it's called um dirty harry have you seen dirty harry mm -mm. oh it's a very very good film actually i recommend it but there's a serial killer in that that's also incredibly terrifying i think it's like 1971 um and it's the scorpio killer and that was also a very, very kind of terrifying serial killer that was like shooting people and killing everyone. And that was really good. He was played by, I think, um, Andy Robinson. And it was one of the Clint Eastwood films. Now, I'm not sure how I feel about Clint Eastwood, but this film itself is incredibly good and I'd highly recommend it. It was a series, but I've not seen any of the sequels because I'm not sure how much they stand up. But Dirty Harry is a film really, really, really good. And serial killers... I just think are fantastic. I literally have you seen that meme of Lisa Simpson where she's like getting the coffee and yes. she's just smiling at the it's like and then it's like people talking um media about serial killers is the coffee and like Lisa Simpson is like me, yeah. just like yeah. Lisa is just doing that smile. That that is me with serial killers. They are so fantastic. Well, no, sorry. They are not fantastic. But I enjoy like reading stuff about them. And even better if they're fictional, fictional serial killers, because then I don't feel squeamish. See, for bad. me, it's not the squeamish. It's there was a time that I was more interested in true crime. But then I think now I'm a little too fixated on, oh, this is actually real life. This this people suffered because of this. So I don't mm -hmm. really want to consume that sort of media because lately I feel like there's so much like and it's almost glorifying so, some of them. Like, yeah. I don't want to see any more Ted Bundy stuff. I don't want to hear any more about Charles Manson. However, once Charles Manson's an odd one though, because that one is so fascinating. Sharon Tate, though, my, yeah. my, my little angel. The thing about serial killers, this is why it is much better when they're fictional, because then I don't have to feel bad. Because obviously, with actual serial killers, there are very real human victims there. And I know that it's like you say there is this huge obsession and even glorification glamour or even glamorization so much yeah. of the serial killer nowadays and everyone's like oh yeah i love watching serial killers but um and stuff about serial killers but we do need to remember that the victims are very They're very people. important and some of the ways that these serial killers well their modus operandi their mo is fucking brutal and it's kind of horrifying which I is think, why they're yeah, on my list. There's only two serial killers that I can stand to, like watch movies or doc. Even mm. maybe I'm not really into documentaries, but I might just on these two. Mm. First, I'm gonna sound like an absolute basic bitch, but I'm okay. I've accepted this. Uh, Jack the Ripper, mostly because he's not really. He's kind of become like a myth. Yeah, he's, he's sort kind of become, become like a, this mythic creature. 
Yeah, he, he's the boogeyman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I suppose, like, enough time has passed that you could sort of have all sorts of, like, supernatural theories to go with it. Because he makes such a great mm. sort of character in that sense. Exactly. And I but, love yeah. all the theories about Jack the Ripper. Like, I love the fact that um, he was possibly the prince, or he was the prince's surgeon. And or all a of policeman. That kind of... Well, yeah, probably. Uh, but, yeah, it's, again, horrifying thing. People did die. Five it's... four women did suffer. But, you know, it is fascinating. The other one is even more gruesome. H.H. Uh, Holmes. Oh, yes. That was, he was the guy with the hotel, right? Yeah, it's uh, Chicago in, like, the ninth, late 1918, 1920s, I think, 1920s. I think. So American Horror Story Hotel is based, not around, it's based heavily around it. I'm not sure how much of it. I think they had a character that was based heavily upon him in American Horror Story Hotel. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. No, that it's the 1800s. Yeah. yeah. But that, yeah, no, that one's, he is fascinating as well. No, I do agree with you. There's a certain, I, I prefer my serial killers, like, fictional. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like my serial killers how I like my natural disasters, fictional. Yeah. There is this whole um, connection, especially in, modern media and apparently all the way through life but this com this kind of connection between sex and death and i don't know why can we just get into our num number one which both of us are exactly the same and again we've mentioned them before uh, mm -hmm. vampires <laughs> vampires yeah we both love vampires and again this is quite interesting because it, it depends on the, the type of vampire because obviously vampires there are so many and we're going to talk about this a bit later yes but there's so many different kinds of vampires within the media that we consume but yeah and i feel like vampires are also suffering the same fate as werewolves in that nowadays they're just mm. these overly sexualized creatures which kind of leads us it, it relates to the topic that we were just talking about with serial mm. killers a lot of it is heavily sexualized nowadays, which I feel makes it a little bit more palatable because what mm -hmm. we are talking about essentially is death. And mm -hmm. most people, if not everybody to some extent, is terrified of this concept of death. But mm -hmm. if you make it sexy, then you know it's it makes it easier to talk about. But then the problem is you're not actually discussing it anymore. You're just kind of fetishizing mm -hmm. it. No, exactly. And a lot of vampire stuff is incredibly fetishized. Yes. Um, even it's like even regard like even completely regardless of what type of vampire that you read about, the majority of them, not all of them, there are exceptions, but the majority of them are always these kind of like very kind of sexualized or at least objectified beings. Like even if we look at Twilight, Edward Cullen, all of the Cullens are undeniably and very attractive if we go into buffy the main character that all of the vampires were staying power apart from like the master and even he dies early um all of the vampires with any kind of staying power are always pretty sexy yeah. um Anne rice's entire shtick is that once you become a vampire you seem to turn into this marble statue kind of ethereal beauty um yeah. Which and I, I guess on the, on the one hand, it's supposed to make people more attracted to them, so it makes it easier mm. for them to hunt. It's one of their their, their powers. But there there's this sort of... There's a moment that it kind of changed, where before, vampire stories were something of horror, which is yeah. what they're supposed to be. But then when they sort of introduced into main media, in movies, you had, like, Bela Lugosi's one, mm. 
mm. where it was still scary, but then it kind of turned into a, oh, well, you know, it's kind of sex. Sexy, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, he, like he kills you by biting you in the neck. And, and, and then they became like more and more attractive. So mm -hmm. I feel like Dracula was kind of the turning point. Definitely. Where all of the stories before Dracula, they were just like, these horrifying creatures because we're talking yeah, about- Yeah, like Nosferatu kind yeah. of shit. Yes. That, that, I'm not talking about Velogosti. That's what I was talking about. That's Nosferatu. Yes. Mm. Um, yeah. So before that, even in the books, mm. even in the stories, they were these were kind of like as, beasts. Yeah. They were essentially corpses, like reanimated mm. corpses, which is a terrifying thought. Mm. But then it's the, oh, well, you know, to appeal to a wider audience. And mm -hmm. in a way, at first, it was a scarier thought. If you have somebody that attractive, that could be this killer. That's a horrifying thought. But now we sort of we've done it so much that we're like, mm. ah, it's it's fine. You know, no, exactly. But vampires are literally one of my favorites. I've always enjoyed vampires. Like even moving away from the sexual aspect of it, it's just the I feel like when they're done right, and I must admit, I do tend to steer away from the um kind of more traditional vampires you know like the nosferatu kind of monstery ones purely just because i find them not as compelling because what is the difference between those and essentially zombies well that's the point that a zombie is something that you're immediately afraid of because you know mm. it looks horrifying mm -hmm. but then in this case it's you have a zombie add more powers and that a lot of the times they're faster they can mm. fly in Dracula's case, he can turn into mist. He can mm -hmm. become invisible. He can control your your mm -hmm. your your mind. Mm -hmm. it, it ends up being a lot scarier. But then, I suppose at, at a originally, I think that the the attractiveness element was supposed to add to how scary it was. But mm -hmm. now it's, it sort of downplays all of that. Yeah, it's kind of become more like oh, Dracula. It's, it's the thing if we don't really take hot people seriously, do we? No, well, yeah, we do. <laughs> but well, I mean, uh, at a certain point, there's a certain level of hot where you're like, no, I'm just not listening to you anymore. No, this is very true. I think the thing about it was, uh, I had a point that I was going to make. What was it? Oh, yeah, it became more a case of like original. The hotness was kind of scary, but now because he's hot, that automatically makes people want to be the one to change them so I'll we want to them. no you'd be the one going bite me daddy like well change <laughs> me as in i want to be the one that dracula wants to spend the rest of his life with if you get what i mean like it was oh, the yeah. Edward Cullen effect it was the angel effect and it was just very much a case of like because they're hot that means that then i want to be like them and i want to be with them and yeah. it kind of humanize them but humanize them to too much of an extent because then ugh, why the fuck did vampires start falling in love instead of just thinking mm, dinner yeah again it's that thing of vampires with a conscience since once it started it never really went away exactly and i must admit i'm i'm glad that it started because you know it's given us some wonderful media Anyway, does that mean we should probably get to the next section of our Halloween extravaganza? Absolutely. So, guys, we are going to talk about our top five vampires, as you may have guessed. All right. So you want to kick us off with number five of your top five vampires? Okay, so I tried to be um, quite careful about how I chose this. So I've tried to choose different vampires from a variety of different vampire stories. 
So my number five, um, and I know this is quite weird considering we were actually talking about how much we weren't always a fan of the huge sexualization of it. And the character that I'm going to choose is incredibly sexualized. And I'm not even sure we could even necessarily 100% consider a vampire. But she was basically a vampire. Um, is the Countess from American Horror Story Hotel, obviously played by Lady Gaga. Now, this one um, I am an odd over because, well, you know, is she a definitive vampire? Probably not. I just quite enjoyed A, Lady Gaga's portrayal of it, and American Horror Story Hotel is good, but is also not amazing. But I feel like Lady Gaga, Lady Gaga, Lady Gaga, whatever. Gaga. Um, Gaga. <laughs> I feel like she portrayed kind of what was written for the character, and I feel like she portrayed it quite well. You can have your own opinions on whether or not she's a good actress or not. But she de this part was definitely written for her. And I know it's a bit weird to talk about vampires, and you'll wonder why I chose her over so many other famous vampires. I just wrote it because I feel like that vampire, like that vampire, like the Countess. I think her name's Elizabeth, so I think she was based upon Elizabeth Bathory, 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 which is also a very interesting story. You know about the woman that used to bathe in blood of people to stay young. Oh yeah, that was her name. I I, I know the story, but I can never remember that that woman's name. Yeah, which is a great story, actually, also arguably a vampire. Um, but Lady Gaga, she, I liked her kind of, like, portrayal of the vampires, except, weirdly enough, they weren't vampires. It was a rare blood disease or something that, that made them immortal and crave blood. Um, oh, oh, is that, that what we're calling it now? <laughs> blood disease, yeah, I know, it was weird. Yeah, no, she, she portrayed it quite well because it was very much a kind of, like, aspect of vampires that I do enjoy despite myself. She was a highly sexualized character, and sometimes, to some degree, I feel like it necessarily didn't need to be that sexual. I, I, I enjoyed that interpretation of a vampire. I must admit, though, I've seen American Horror Story Hotel once, and I do not think I will watch it again. It is one of those. But her portrayal overall was pretty good. My number five, again, uh, I've noticed that... We, we, we talked a lot about overtly sexualized uh, mm. vampires, but four or five of mine kind of are, because it is inevitable with, you know, any sort of modern media. Quite a few and of mine are. I have regrets about this one because it is Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, now Spike is part of my number two. I've cheated for a couple of them and that I've given two for a couple of them, but I'll explain why when we get there. Okay, tell, talk to me about Spike because he is on my list as well. Well, he starts off in kind of the way that, you, with, at least that we discuss, we want our vampires to be like him and um, mm -hmm. Drusilla, where, you know, they are vampires as vampires are, you mm -hmm. know, mean killing machines type of mm -hmm. thing that they don't care about who they hurt and they're fun, evil creatures. And that's the thing is he was always very fun, even when he was mm -hmm. evil. Well... There's one... I think he was he better when he was evil. I much preferred yes. him before he got the soul. He was so much fun. But yeah, it's aside from one particular scene that I'm not going to mention now. I think uh, we know what we're talking about, though. Yeah, like, ignoring that bit, generally, I liked Spike as a whole. Mm -hmm. and he, he was just... He was great entertainment. He was really fun to watch. Spike is great. Spike season two, oh my god. Man of the moment, and then well, man of the season actually. He's just fucking yeah. great. And then when he gets caught by the initiative and he has the chip in his head, and 
literally he is just comedy genius it's just then that fucking soul fucking thing and it was just like oh there was no need like literally if they just kept the chip in his head like he literally could have said the same purpose and if we'd removed all of that buffy shit from his character like it literally would have been he would have retained his amazingness because i love james masters as well yes. um i love the actor and it's just like oh spike they wasted a perfectly good character by trying to and then we we like i said we will not talk about that fucking no 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 but no i think my favorite spike scene was <laughs> i can't remember what season it was but it's it not two it was three it was after drusilla left he was complaining to buffy's mom and it just sounded yes. like a funny little bitch it was so it was funny so, she was and making up with a fucking chaos demon <laughs> an angel tried to come in and protect Buffy's mom, except she now knows that he's, you know, a mm -hmm. vampire and won't let him in. And then Spike is just behind her making faces like, ha -ha, can't get in, can't get in. Except that he gets his ass promptly whooped by Buffy. I love that scene. Oh, that end out for a walk, bitch. <laughs> oh my God, he's amazing. Just generally, I also love the season, uh, not the season, I also love the part, I think it's like his opening scene, his opening episode. I'm not sure if, it might not be his opening episode, but one of his opening episodes where, like, basically they've been setting up in season two the anointed one as the big bad, haven't they? But then obviously yeah. the little boy that was playing him was hit a growth spurt and wasn't going to be believable as an eternal child. So in the yeah. end, they were just like, just fucking have Spike kill him. And Spike's just like, you know what? Fuck this. Picks up this little 12 year old and shoves him in the cage and kills him. And I was just like, you know what? That's here. Now, Spike was part of my number two, so I feel like I've talked about number two, but I will, I have a second part to number two, so we'll talk about that later. We'll and shall we go to number four? Yeah. Oh, I'll start with number four, yes. yeah. My number, so I, again, I tried to choose um, vampires from a different race of genres. So I have gone for a young adult kind of preteen book, and I think I, again, might have talked about this in an earlier episode, but Darren Shan. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with Darren Shan, the saga of Darren Shan. It was very much like a preteen kind of like typically aimed at boys as well, not to be gender stereotypical, but it was very much, you know, like a boys kind of series. You could tell what the target demographic was for the public, for the, what's the word? Publication, no publicization, the whatever you get what Publicity. I mean. Huh? Publicity, that's the one that I'm looking at, yeah. Um, no, it was just, it, you could tell it was very much, like, I think the writer was, like, very much aiming it at, like, my target demographic. And, again, I'm being gender stereotypical here. Obviously, probably girls read it and enjoyed it as well. Um, but Darren Shan was, um, it was this Cirque du Freak, um, Tunnels of Blood kind of thing. It was about a boy called Darren who... Um, went to a circus, was obsessed with spiders, got turned into a half vampire because his friend got poisoned by a spider. Um, and he was actually a half vampire for the majority of the season. And But yeah, no, it was a very compelling series. And I did want to try and include a kind of preteen vampire because otherwise, if I hadn't gone for preteen, it would have just been obviously Rudolph from The Little Vampire. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, that was more of like a fun one. Well, my fun one is also at my number four, which is uh, Maledict I, from uh, Monstrous Regiment by Terry Pratchett. Okay. Mostly because, well, aside from being a pretty cool vampire and having a, like an interesting sort of story towards the end, 
but mm. it's the fact that instead of blood <laughs> he's a coffee addicted uh vampire which i relate to a little too well i was about to say is that not just us it is yeah you know you cover the pale skin i covered the you know murderous tendencies i haven't murdered anybody yet just mm -hmm. between the two of us i think i'm a bit more likely yeah maybe definitely <laughs> i like the sun too much Funnily enough, considering my skin, I don't. <laughs> oh, I, well. I've got that built-in protection, even though I still do wear SPF because everybody should. Just Oh, gosh, yes. Also kind of ironic in the, the vampire episode to have to mention this. But yeah, everybody should wear SPF. Yes. Just regardless of how much melanin you have in your skin, it, and they're not, like, it's not a sexist sort of thing where it's only, it's only for girls. Guys, please. The sun will kill you too. No, this is a very good point. <laughs> All right. So I suppose those are our fun ones, which leads into my number three, which is a little bit of a cop-out because I couldn't really pick a favorite, but I'm going to say all of the vampires and interview the vampire. I'm going to talk about that a bit later because they are actually my number one, but I do have two specific vampires from Interview with the Vampire. Okay. And um, I'm not going to go into detail on this because we're probably going to discuss it a bit yeah. more later. I should say my number four. My number four is, and I'm probably going to mispronounce it, it's either Ellie or Eli from Let the Right One In. Now, this will probably... Ellie or Eli, I think it's Ellie. It's a Swedish novel, but there was also a very good film and a slightly less... a Very good, I think it was a Swedish film, and a slightly not as good American version called Let Me In with, I think, Chloe Moretz as Abby, who was the Eli Ellie character. Um, I liked Ellie because she was very much, I think the actress that played her was very good. I think the book was very well written and it was very much kind of like child vampire, which is very interesting. And I'm probably going to focus less on the vampire itself and so much as the atmosphere of Let the Right One In, but it was very kind of like, very kind of Swedish, uh, very kind of like dark, atmospheric. It was a very kind of snowy location and everything was just, it was just quite an interesting concept. And I'm not going to talk too much about why I like it because I'm also going to probably talk about the aspect that I liked about Ellie a little bit later with another vampire. So I guess we can both kind of like skip over number four. My number two, which is here, I know despite of everything we've said, I'm mm -hmm. a hypocrite. Uh, he's on here purely for pervy reasons, but Eric mm -hmm. from True Blood, <laughs> I'm not gonna say any more on that. He was hot, he was fun to look at. It's Alexander Skarsgård, so. <laughs> My number two, I did mention earlier was Spike, but not just Spike, my number two was specifically also Drusilla. Now, sure, of yeah. course, of course, when we talk about vampires in Buffy, like the, to be honest, okay, I have specifically four vampires in Buffy that I like. Three of them are quite famous, memorable vampires. One of them is in just one episode. So obviously Spike is great. We talked about this. Angel, I feel like I do need to mention him. And I do like Angel. I don't like Angel in Buffy. No, Angel his own show is yeah, like I hated Angel and Buffy, but literally I really like Angel in his own TV show. And he really grew on me there, really enjoyed him. He got so much better once he wasn't linked to Buffy. 
Um, as I feel like a lot of characters get better when they're not linked to Buffy. I say this. What about a theme song as well? The theme song to the Angel show was fantastic, and I still play it. Oh, see now, I'm gonna. It was a fantastic show, uh, fantastic theme. But no, I much prefer the Buffy one. The Buffy one is the Buffy one is my 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 thing. Um, so nineties, so excellent. No, the Buffy one is far superior to the Angel one. I'm sorry. No, I, I mean the full song "Sanctuary" by Darling Vi Violetta. Violetta, not mm. sure which one they they do. The, that whole song, I it's such a fucking Halloween vibe. I get that. I just I do just prefer the Buffy one though. The Buffy one's much more grungy, which I think mm. is much more my. Okay, so that one is much more your aesthetic. This one is much the Buffy. Yes, that, yeah, they, they match us both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Drew, so I'm going to talk about my vibe. So obviously Angel is, Angel is Angel. There's probably been thousands of stuff talked about. And Drusilla was great. Juliet, I think it's Juliet Landau that plays her. And obviously neither her nor James Masters are actually British. Um, but She has a crazy eyes down hat though. That was so exactly. good. <laughs> and she was such a well, not always necessarily well-written character because I feel like Joss Whedon sometimes dropped the ball a bit with his characters. Not all with the female time. female characters. He often did, yeah. But moving on. Yeah, moving on. Anyway. But, oh, before uh, you move away from Drusilla, though, I don't know if you... Oh, no, I was going to continue with Drusilla, but... Because uh, there's a funny anecdote that is kind of Drusilla-related from mm -hmm. our... Like, towards the end of our first year at mm -hmm. uni, where um, there was a dude that you were clearly trying to talk me away from, but I don't think you were that comfortable with me yet in order to actually give mm -hmm. me your actual opinion. But he ended up dating a girl that we ended up calling Drusilla because she had fucking crazy eyes. Oh my gosh, is it the person that I think it was? I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. Unless you know other people that have crazy eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I'd know exactly who you mean. Oh gosh. Drusilla though. Drusilla was great. Juliet Landau absolutely nailed. Darla was also very well written, but Darla is actually not my fourth vampire actually from Buffy. My fourth vampire is actually only in one episode and it's actually my favorite episode ever of Buffy. And this is why I can't just cut it off at season five. My favorite episode ever of Buffy is season seven, shockingly. Conversations with dead people um, is the episode of Buffy. Do you know where like they um, are visited by like people from their past? So Willow's, speaking to the first who's Cassie um, um Joyce who's not actually Joyce comes back to speak to Dawn um and Buffy is speaking to an old high school housemate called Holden Webster and um he was just such it's just one of my favorite episodes just because he was this kind of like psych major who got turned into a vampire but he ends up like psychoanalyzing Buffy but like I'd never quite seen anyone approach like the idea of like being a vampire from like more of a like psychoanalytical way. So he's like talking about like, so I feel great now and I like being a vampire, but like I had this girlfriend and she's really cute, but that doesn't mean I'm going to go bite her and turn her into a vampire now. And it was just a very one-off character, but it was like, for me, it was a very, very kind of memorable character and I really, really enjoyed him. And it was kind of a side, a kind of side of vampires that you don't actually see very often. So I quite enjoyed like his kind of, more nuanced take on it like oh i'm a vampire so what am i what does that mean for me now what am i gonna do now and that was quite interesting and joss whedon has obviously 
become quite problematic in recent years. RIP my um, childhood. But um, he he does have this very good way of writing dialogue. Like there's there's many ways. There's so many things that we can probably criticize Joss Whedon for. But his Isn't dialogue it so is annoying when a bad person is talented. <laughs> No, I know. Like, he is undeniably talented. And his dialogue is and has always been fantastic. Like, the man writes fucking good dialogue. I, I hate because um, a lot of my, my writing is very dialogue based. And I have mm. to say that what like growing up watching things like Buffy mm -hmm. and Firefly, it, it did leave an impression. So I can't not like I can't not give some credit there. Oh, no, totally. No, it's no, you're totally right. Like, I feel like even a lot of my dog dialogue is like heavily influenced by Joss Whedon. And I, I think for our kind, I think for our age group and also the kind of teenagers and kids that we probably were, like, there was no way that we weren't going to be influenced by Joss Whedon because the yeah. man is nothing if not prolific and his TV shows are. Are, are good like just factually like there's some there's some parts where we go back and they haven't necessarily stood the test of time in terms yeah. of you know changing not changing but people becoming more aware of different kinds of things but you know the the, the man was talented the man i say as if he's dead the man is talented um and it's a fucking shame but you it's it's separating the artist from the something which is another topic for another day yes but number one that, yeah that does oh. lead into my number one in talking about um talented writers because the vampire i'm going to mention one i'm going to like reference him as a whole which is dracula because we can't have this sort of discussion about vampires which let's be honest this episode has really been about it's just been an excuse to talk about vampires yes uh we can't really have a discussion of vampires without discussing dracula and the incredible cultural impact that that character has had on vampires mm. today however in spite of a great many performances and even the you know how he was written in bram stoker's book i'm specifically going to shout out uh klaus bang's portrayal in the new uh netflix series that came out i believe early 2020 yes i think before it was on netflix it was on bbc but i got it on netflix but since it was the the writer the same writers as sherlock and doctor who it was i, I think honestly a, a great adaptation of an a, a absolute classic i like that they did something new with it mm. and while he was sexy it wasn't that overtly like oh yes we gonna fuck kind of sexy yeah it was yeah, it was. I, I do get it. I must admit, I only watched the first two episodes. I feel like I got kind of. There was only three episodes, but I feel like I think yeah. I got halfway through the third episode, and I was a bit like, "Oh, I'm sick of they." They, they had that new girl in the third episode, and she started to piss me off. So I was just a bit like, "I'm going to stop watching now." Um, but I did enjoy it. I think. I think just in terms of. No, he was the the actor that they got to play Dracula was was very good. I I will completely agree. He kind of had that kind of like mysterious kind of sexy, but not like I I get like kind of like cat like sleekness about him. That yes, he kind of need. Mm. Yeah, it was it, it was very he was predatory and like a non creepy mm. sort of way in like in, well, the in a creepy way that it was a bit scary, but not creepy as in like sex creepy. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of exactly how you'd want a vampire to be. Going back mm-hmm. to sort of the traditional sense that we were talking about before, mm. that this is the sort of thing that we'd mo- be more used to seeing for vampires instead of like a oh look, he's a very hot creature. Oh, he's gonna bite me, and I don't think I'm gonna mind. In this case, it's the you know what. I see what's happening here. I'm terrified because I know I can't get away from this. I do very much mind. Please don't turn me into a vampire. But at the same time, do continue talking because you're actually a really interesting character. Mm. I feel like the first two episodes, no, actually, to be honest, I feel like the first episode was very good. The first episode was absolutely flawless, actually. Um, The second episode, just on the boat, just kind of stressed me out. But I feel like that it wasn't bad. Yeah. Well, like I said, it wasn't that it was bad because it was very claustrophobic and it was very much like kind of what you'd yeah, imagine. Yeah, but it's the thing that you were mentioning before about the the sort of ambiance around it, mm. where you went from like the the traditional Dracula story that we know of mm. Jonathan Harker in the castle and he's trapped, mm. and there that you have that level of stress, but you also know what what happens there. But then taking it out of that environment onto the boat, it was a great transition episode because now. Mm. Like it moved Dracula from place to place in a way that Mm. it sort of elevated the stakes where, okay, now he's in this environment, but he's still in complete control, even Mm. though he shouldn't be. And it's still scary, but really good. And what I liked about those first two episodes specifically is that it very much is like the sort of one-on-one, like one person dealing with Dracula, like Mm. just one-on-one. And it's the terrifying thing of they kind of want to know him, but at the same time, they know they shouldn't. But then mm-hmm. the, that moment of realizing, oh, I'm not actually in control of the situation as I thought I was. Oh, no, I'm in danger. And mm-hmm. that's that's what I like in a good vampire story. The I'm interacting with the monster, not realizing that I'm so far out of my depth until it's too late. I completely agree, actually. I think, um, well... And I'm not sure if, I mean, it probably has been um, a metaphor in some kind of mediums, but I've, I enjoyed Dracula as kind of like a metaphor for kind of like drug abuse, where it's a bit like, at first, yeah. oh yeah, it's fun, but then as you get closer and closer and closer, it's like you're kind of sinking a little bit. And I, I, I think vampirism can be, when it's done well, can be a very good kind of metaphor for drug abuse. Now, Dracula, I think, is a very compelling character, and I do agree that he does need to be on the list. Now, he's not actually on my list, um, but I do agree, that, and I'm glad that he was talked about, but I also, I if you hadn't put him on your list, I would have put him on mine, but I would have put him on mine not be necessarily because I wanted to, but because on ceremony, like, because he does need to be talked about, because, you know, it's Dracula. Dracula. Yeah, um, I think he's. I think he can be a very compelling character. I also, I have issues with Dracula, not necessarily because of any version, but just because there have been so many different versions of Dracula now that he kind of just pisses me off. Oversaturation. I don't. It's. I think. Well, if you speak to my parents, they'll they'll happily not happily, but they will admit that I've had a fascination with vampires for way longer than I should. Apparently I've just come home from preschool one day and I never stopped talking about them. But I think the thing about Dracula that I find so interesting is that aside from the Bram Stoker book, there's Mm -hmm. the fact that there was a character of Dracula. And then you can kind of see how throughout history, the story has changed and developed into what it is now. So I Mm. appreciate all of the different variations of it. And 
a lot of great actors have portrayed Dracula. I mean, you have Gary Oldman, you had Christopher Lee, and each one did Gerard something. Gerard Butler. <laughs> I, I did not mention him for a reason. <laughs> uh... but, okay, that one was... It's hilarious. It's the sort of Halloween movie to watch when you're in a group of friends and you just want to have like a chill time and you want to laugh at something mm. horrible. I oh god, I can't even apologize. It's it's so bad. Dracula. It's three thousand, isn't it? I think so. That's, it's it's the one where um he's a. Fucking... It's Gerard Butler as Dracula, and it is fucking hilarious. And and Dracula is Judas Iscariot. And that's why you can't have silver and that shit. I remember, oh God, it's not a good version at all. I did kind of like the concepts. I did kind of like the concept of him being Judas Iscariot, but it just was not done very well. And I remember the, I can't remember who the actress is in it. And it's like, oh, all of the things that he's something. Oh, hang on one second. Who the fuck cast It's the only Carabin. bit that I remember of that. Okay, I remember a few bits of the movie, but the one that stands out the most is the fact that, like, they had sex on the ceiling. Yes. Yes, they did. Oh, yeah, he is. And um, Omar Epps. Really? I did not remember that part. But yes, you're right. Should I get to my number one? Yes. So my number one is again two, and it's linked to your number three, I think. Your number three was every Anne Rice vampire. Well, I specifically said the ones in Interview with the Vampire. Interview the Vampire. So mine are from Interview with the Vampire, or typically the Vampire Chronicles themselves. Um, mine are specifically, and this relates back to Ellie from Let the Right One In, uh, Claudia. Yes. And also, and I think I might have spoken about Claudia before. Claudia and also Armand from The Vampire Diaries. So I'm going to, although I do love Louis, Louis is also amazing. Louis, yeah. But we have Louis, discussed Louis. Yeah. Louis is like the original tortured vampire. Louis is fantastic. Claudia, I'm going to go with just because Claudia is a wonderful concept. And it's also one of the reasons that I also like Ellie from let the right one in but the concept of a child vampire and you know a child that isn't going to grow up so is never quite going to mature and never quite understand right from wrong claudia was an incredibly compelling character and i was always so upset that she got killed spoilers sorry um but claudia it's was been it's been enough time yeah claudia was absolutely fantastic and also very well played in the film interview of the vampire by Kirst, uh, by a very young Kirsten Dunst. We will get we, we we won't go into the awkwardness actually though of that film and Kirsten Dunst and Brad Pitt though. But um, I'm not sure if we might have talked about it in a previous episode. But Claudia actually, I do understand why in the film they aged Claudia up because Claudia I think is played by a 12 year old Kirsten Dunst. But obviously in the book Claudia is meant to be like a six year old. So she's yeah. not even meant to be like a preteen. She is like an actual literal child. She is not grown. Um, and obviously in the book, it's obviously very interesting because imagine being trapped in the body of a six-year-old, not just a 12-year-old like in the film, but literally a fucking six-year-old for the rest of your life. And it's obviously no wonder that Claudia was a bit unhinged. Yeah. But that was actually, but she was a very compelling character. And I think Anne Rice has said that she was heavily inspired to write Claudia by, I think it was maybe the 
a death of her child or maybe a miscarriage and she was heavily inspired by that not inspired i'm not sure if inspired is the right word probably traumatized and in that that kind of fed into this idea of this child that would never grow up and then that's where claudia came from and claudia that happened with peter pan isn't it but with no completely actually but then peter pan kind of had the option to grow up but chose not to whereas claudia that option was kind of taken away from her oh yeah yeah works on a different level i mean vampire child child vampires are always a little bit more terrifying but also if you think about it it's just so fucking sad well that's the thing and that's what and this is coming back to ellie as well this is one of the reasons that i put ellie onto my list and that i'm obsessed with child vampires like i find them to be a very very interesting concept um and it's this kind of idea of especially because there's a child they're probably not even if they consent i'm using this in quotation marks to being turned into a vampire they're probably not really aware of actually what that entails because six seven year olds you do not understand the world and obviously both of these vampires, I think, were turned against their will anyway. But this is child abuse, like literally child abuse. You have stolen this child's life away from them. Um, but then obviously, if you grow up and you're going to see other people grow, because I believe like there's a scene where Claudia's like, when will I look like that woman? When am I going to grow up? And yeah. obviously, Lestat and Louis, her gay dads, are essentially <laughs> a bit like, well, you're not. And it's just that kind of, utter horror and she's never going to be able to grow up and that's what makes her such a compelling character and my other one that i chose was also armand who again the film pissed me off right interview with a vampire objectively is not a bad film and you know tom cruise to the surprise of everyone did a very good job as Lestat like I would not have thought he could have done it but you know what Tom Cruise's Lestat was good to it's the point one of the few even... movies that I actually like him in yeah I have a few things that I like early Tom Cruise actually I'm not I don't really like his films nowadays but that's because they seem to be more like vanity projects but um his earlier films are very good and I do like Tom Cruise I'm I'd like Tom Cruise's acting I'm not sure I, I will say out of other aspects of Tom Cruise's life, but I, I do like his early films and I think he is a very good actor, yeah. but he was very good as Lestat and Lou, uh, Brad Pitt was a very good Louis. Um, Kirsten Dunst was very good Claudia. And, you know, Antonio Banderas is a fucking good actor, but fucking hell, who the fuck cast him as Armand? Armand is meant to be like, was meant to have been turned when he was 17, maybe even younger, is meant to resemble a Botticelli painting and is meant to be this very kind of like beautiful kind of like painting like that. And Antonio Banderas is an attractive guy, don't get me wrong, but a boy he is not. Yeah. And Armand, like his eventual backstory, because um, Anne Rice eventually wrote a book called The Vampire Armand. And he has such an interesting backstory. And that's what I enjoy about Anne Rice. And honestly, like you say, <laughs> I could probably write like most of her vampires on here because, <laughs> sorry, her vampires are so very well thought out. They have very, very rich, complicated histories that kind of intertwine with themselves. And she's obviously put a great deal of thought into them. And this is what i enjoy about vampires i don't just enjoy vampires being like oh it's this really really old person but it needs to be like a vampire with a very very rich history a vampire you know 
that not just we are told have seen a bunch of shit, but vampires that, you know, we are explained have done a bunch of shit. And that's what I find really, really engrossing about her vampires. They're a great monster and a great vehicle to tell a story, especially mm -hmm. when it's not just, um, oh, look at me, I'm kind of troubled, but also really mm -hmm. hot, look at me. Mm -hmm. Just give us a story. <laughs> No, exactly. And her stories are very good. Queen of the Damned, I consider to be like the Lord of the Rings of vampire novels. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are now probably at the scariest time of the podcast in that we probably need to actually talk about our actual progress. Um, kind of a little bit embarrassed. So Anna, I'll let you go first. All right, so the challenge was do 7,000 words in a week, which you're, you're left. We knew it wasn't going to happen. I mean, 7,000 is ridiculous. I feel like it would have been possible, but anyway, I'll get to that in a second. You go ahead. Yeah, okay, so I'm nowhere near that, but there has been some progress in that I am now at 19,732. That's excellent. That's gone up by at least a thousand. How much? Two thousand. Oh, see, now that's something. That's something. Considering you are actually more concise than me, because I generally tend to write a bunch of shit, which is why my word count is so huge. That's pretty good. Yeah, I was really hoping to get to twenty thousand by the time that we spoke today, but it just didn't happen, and it was so. I feel you. Well, I, if it makes you feel any better, I actually literally haven't written jack shit this week. And I think I did mention it earlier. I just have been, I, I wouldn't even say bit, well, yeah, probably busy. Um, yeah, I haven't written, I, I don't think I've written anything else, maybe a sentence. So my word count is still the same as I think it was last week, which is, um, <laughs> guys, it was shit, okay? 128,464. Um, yeah, not great. Well, I mean, that's a huge amount of words, but not great in comparison with last week. I will try and write some this week. Honestly, I was going to try and write some before we spoke today, and then I got distracted by Reddit. It kind of happens. Okay. Oh, wow. So do we want to set a challenge for next week, or is that... No, I do want to set a challenge, because I feel like a challenge will at least get me something. I feel like 7,000 words is not going to be a thing. No. But let's set a challenge... Oh, actually, no, I want to fucking finish this chapter. I feel like that's a reasonable, I feel like that's a reasonable enough challenge, right? Oh, well, that I was actually my goal last week was to finish that chapter. I did finish that chapter. Woo! It's, but now it's, uh, so my book is divided into five sections, and I'd really like to finish section one. I'd also like to finish part one, but I'm not oh. going to finish part one by the end of next week. I don't by next week, I don't think. But do we Interest have a number that we can assign to next week? How many do we dare do? I could, I could get to 130,000 maybe. So yeah, that's yeah, that's about a thousand and a half. Yeah, I can do that. So yeah, let's see if I can get to 130,000 or finish whatever chapter I'm writing now. What number is it? I can finish my main aim is to finish chapter god my chapters are fucking long hang on chapter 19 i want to finish chapter 19 and preferably chapter 20 but chapter 19 okay so seven thousand was a bit big do you think that maybe we could try having that 
So aim for 3,500 this week. Do you know what? I feel like I could. All right. So that that's our aim, 3,500. Yeah, I feel like that's doable. I also feel like 3,500 would definitely finish out this section. I feel like 3,500 would definitely not finish this section, but I can try. <laughs> Actually, how much, on average, how many words is one of my chapters? One second. I'm just quite interested. Mine are quite short. I have a tendency, usually my chapters are around 10, 15 pages longer, but that is double-spaced. Let's just have a look at how long chapter 18. My earlier chapters are slightly shorter, and sometimes I have quite short chapters, and sometimes lately I have quite long. Um, and I do generally try to keep them more or less equal, but I'm... is that a thing, guys? Do we like chapters to be like, a consistent length or do we think it doesn't really matter that's a question for the audience because really I'm, I'm not because i'm not sure how i feel about books that i read i feel like i don't really even pay attention to it so um, i never actually know what an average chapter is supposed to look like because mine varies some some can be just over a page because it's mm. like a, okay this needs to happen and you have to understand context so that we can move forward but there, i don't need to expand on this while others it's you know it it just goes on well for example my last chapter chapter 18 was about 19 pages and about eight and a half thousand words but i feel okay, like that one's quite a long so, one but yeah i have yeah. no chapters that long no, that's true. My chapters are generally quite long. Um, but yeah, maybe I'll write some of that, or maybe I'll write some of my other novel, which I've never really talked about, but is kind of a weird, kind of-esque vampire's alternate history novel. But I feel like I'm probably not going to write that. But I'm going to write, I'm going to, I want to finish this novel, Anna. Please do. <laughs> so we'll sign off and I'll say until next week, and stay spooky. <laughs> Woo!